I think when you tell the truth, or, something, or you tell the truth, whether it be in the form of stories or comedy or, or any art form, you, you, you know, you're telling a story, yeah. it, it connects you to the people in the audience. And, right. I, and I find that much more rewarding. I can feel it here when they feel it. A couple of notes before the show starts to give a little bit of context to the conversation that you're about to hear. First of all, we frequently refer to my show, the show that I host and run and that my guest has performed at, but we never actually managed to use its name. So the name of that show is Stand Up Tragedy and the next live version of that show is on the 25th of April at the Hackney Attic. You can find Stand Up Tragedy to listen to in any of the places that you go to listen to podcasts online. And for more details about the show, check out www.standuptragedy.co.uk. And the day before that, April the 24th, is when Immigrant Diaries is happening. And that's a show that we do manage to refer to by its name and we talk about throughout this episode. Regular listeners to the show will know that part of what Getting Better Acquainted is about is capturing the moment and that includes the background sound. So you have to deal with a little bit of background sound. That's kind of part of the deal. But with all of the sound that was going on in the room and the fascinating conversation that I was having, I didn't check the mic levels quite as much as I might have done. So occasionally the words, mostly my words, will be a little bit distorted from being a little bit too loud when they were recorded. But you can hear everything we're saying. You'll get used to the background sound as the conversation goes on. And it's really worth listening to because it's a really great conversation and I'm really glad to have had it and I'm really glad to be sharing it with you. Right, so we're recording now and yeah this is this is all you need for a podcast. Although people might might think it's not what you need for a podcast because they'll be like well why are you doing it in a in a cafe with background sound? In, the, in, a, in a busy station. Yeah well, because that's where that's the place where it was most convenient for us to meet. Yeah right? it was. Hello I'm Dave I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. So today we're getting better acquainted with Sajila. Uh, hello, Sajila. Hello. <laughs> Actually, this reminds me of a modern-day version of Brief Encounter. It is a bit like... Yeah, Brief yeah, Brief Encounter, Encounter yeah. but without all the, you know... Well, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, there's no sexual <laughs> stuff going on there. But I'm just saying it's a bit rubbish, Brief Encounter, because it's Victoria Station, yeah. and it's Cafe Rouge instead of a nice little chummy waller. Oh, I see. Would you like a cup of tea? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> all of the nice style yes, is gone. Yes, it's yes, just... and that's the era I love, because I used to, uh, growing up, I used to watch all those films on a Saturday. Right. It was on a Saturday afternoon. I mean, I love Brief Encounter. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I do, yeah, it's great. I loved it when I was... I know, it's really deeply, madly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you you realise, like, when you watch it, like, with older eyes, it's actually quite, you know, quite radical. Mm. Yeah, yeah, things yeah. yeah. That happen, yeah. You know, didn't get the the adult subtexts behind everything well now I'm looking back and thinking did they or didn't they right I think that they was did. left. they did I they, they did. did because that was left kind of hanging in the air right and I kind of missed that time where it's there's there's a kind of a innocence about it and I, and I was brought up with Bollywood films as well so I find that modern day Bollywood is, it's, it's like oh no you're just emulating the way where the old films any kind of sexual tension was 
shown in the form of rain or a wet sari or it was a little bit more gentle sort of suggestions that these things happened yeah. and there was an innocence and sweetness about that I thought I might just be really old fashioned and the same with the black and white British and Hollywood films I quite like the one foot on the floor it's only when you get older you realise yeah it's quite difficult to actually consummate a marriage <laughs> as it were or a relationship with one foot on the floor yeah. <laughs> yeah. the first question that I ask everybody is how do you know me ah now I was thinking about this we met in Edinburgh first time yeah. I believe right? yeah I think so and I knew of your show through the medium of Twitter or Facebook. Well, that's good. It's always yeah. good to hear that yeah. it's getting out to people. Yeah, right. and so I was like, oh, this is really interesting, comedy tragedy, because that's kind of, you know, it, that resonates with me. And I think I believe I could put in touch with you and say, can I have a gig, please? Right, you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. you came along and you, you, you performed. It, yeah. it was actually, it was really, it was one of my favourite gigs, I think, of The Fringe. Yes. It, it was like, I think it was you. Eddie Peppertone. Eddie, Eddie Peppertone. Uh, uh, pro wrestling. Yeah, wrestling, uh, yes. Right, it, it, was, it was a really great yeah, lineup. Uh, Keith Jarrett, I think, as well. They were a really great lineup. Mm. I felt really spoiled that day for having such a, a tight and uh, like diverse and interesting lineup. It was great to have. But I was also completely nervous because I was introducing Eddie Peppertone and things like that. So, yeah. he's, he's a bit of a legend, isn't he? He is. Like, you, you say Eddie Peppertone and no one knows who you're talking about, but if they do know but who you're talking the about, know, they go, oh they my know. God. Yeah. <laughs> those in the know, yeah, right. no. But he, he's got a lovely... Because when he was sitting down, it was like you could feel his... I don't know, this kind of special aura. Yeah. I, I just got the back of him in his hat. And, yeah. and I mean, you know, he oozes a legend. Something. He yeah. oozes a legend. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like yeah. a kind of mixture between sort of you feel sort of safe but at the same time he's a complete ball of rage yes so yes, you kind of yes, feel safe around his yes. rage I guess that's charisma yeah. in some ways like, I mean a I suppose you feel like oh my god there's a, there, there is a story real stories powerful stories happening here yeah and and you just want to soak, soak it all up right and just kind of cling to them like you know I had to stop myself from throwing myself on his back and just <laughs> cling on like a rucksack <laughs> yeah, that was the first time I'd seen you perform and I really enjoyed what you did oh, um, you. we sort of also met in a, a little bit after that we I, I did a Spark London yes. True Storytelling yes. workshop which you turned up to which was good I, I felt like a sort of charlatan trying to teach you how to tell stories because I'd already seen you tell stories on stage you, you were good well, at it sure, like, I think you'd learn something yeah, I think you do. Yeah, of course you yeah, do. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm that, that. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying you wouldn't have got anything yeah. out of it. But I, I was kind of aware that you, you're already good at what, what I'm trying oh, to teach you. Oh, that's really kind. But because I was thinking, oh, you could teach me more. Well, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> which I you did. did. Which you did. Yeah. <laughs> so the second question I ask everybody is, what do you do now? I've just come back from Leicester to do my very, 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 very baby first preview of my solo show, Shallow Halal, which went all right, I guess. For first we've got loads of work to do on it. Gonna working on that working on Immigrant Diaries which is my, my storytelling show right exactly um, and trying to get some shows out before pre-election because let's face it it's going to be the topic of the day as always with all the parties it's like a used condom that people just keep reusing don't they immigration the topic of immigration <laughs> <laughs> well luckily for the show it never gets boring so yeah I'm, I'm kind of like hot on working on that at the moment and I'm about to start our new job with Amnesty Ooh. yeah Wow. Yeah, so I'm um, quite excited about that as well. So the, the Amnesty is kind of the day job kind of area. Well, you say day job, it'll be the evening. I'm involved with lots of charity stuff, but this is quite exciting because life is short, and I think you should, as well as embracing everything and, and, and taking stuff from the world, you've got to try and give something back as well Absolutely. in your own way because you don't want to leave without giving something, leaving right. something behind, yeah. And would you say that you're a comedian and storyteller, or would you... 
just take uh, a median or would you say no? I'd like to think I was a comedian, <laughs> uh, so I might disagree, uh, and a storyteller. But I'm, I realise, I think what, I, what happened by doing your show and doing uh, maybe other storytelling shows is, ah, oh, I get my voice now, which isn't, I don't do gag gags, I'm not a fun person, right. you know, and actually it's actually a story. So that was, that was a liberating thing for me to discover. Right. Because I think I was trying to be a square peg in a round hole, I was, I was trying to be something I probably wasn't natural to me and I what I realized was that the storytelling it, it, it is my natural style you know I will tell you know I'll speak to the heart and I'll, I'll tell something but now I just have to make that funny and so that's that right. kind of I get I get that that's that's actually that's my voice you know because yeah. that's the whole thing about the circuit you're supposed to try to find your find voice, your voice. Yeah. everybody talks yeah. about that yeah and not just in comedy like any anything you make yeah people are always saying find your voice yes. And it changes, I think, yeah. what your voice is changes, and you, what you, you, you might, yeah, you might think you found your voice, and then in, in thirty years you've got mm. a completely mm. different voice, and they're both kind of both, they're both your voices, right? I yeah, I agree, I, I agree, I agree, because at different stages of your life, you want to talk about different things, and um, certainly the last, I think, couple of years, like I said, I all think you're learning, so I, I'm a firm believer in it. Doesn't matter who you come in contact with, you, you take something. You, know, you learn something from them, so right. I never, I don't ever want to be that person that thinks I know it. I don't. I still, I'm so hungry to learn stuff. So the last few years, I think my work's definitely, or anything that you know, I contribute to has definitely been a storytelling style. But it's like to do with faith, identity, being an immigrant, and personal stuff. Because I used to think, what is a USP? I don't know what my USP is. Thank you. Okay, my Can I get some more hot milk? It's strong. Yeah, you were saying that like your work sort of came, is coming around to sort of like talk to being storytelling and talking about faith and being an yeah, immigrant. And your story. Yeah, multi-faith. Yeah, identity. You know, yeah. being an immigrant and basically my own personal experiences. It's weird because I thought I would never. Like when I first started, I thought that's not the route I want to go down. So I don't necessarily want to share anything your personal stuff. Yeah, 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 and I don't want to share anything too personal. But I actually think. That I'm getting a lot out of doing that. Not because I'm treating it like therapy, it's not therapy, but it's because um, when I see people's, I think when you tell a true story, or, or you tell the truth, whether it be in the form of stories or comedy or, or any art form, you, you, you're, you know, you're telling a story, yeah. it, it connects you to the people in the audience. Right. I, and I find that much more rewarding than, oh, you know, knob gags or, you know, I just, I just, I can feel it here when they feel it. Right. And you must know that no, storytelling itself, yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I like yeah. about it. And, and again, sort of similarly, I didn't think I'd ever be someone who was telling my own stories all the time, like telling stories about me. You know, all the way to where I am now, I was expect, expecting to be, you know, only dealing in fiction, only dealing in, in, in that sort of thing. And, and uh, no, I mean, you know, kind of almost against my will, but now very very willingly I've become the story and it, it isn't about showing off no it isn't things like that I think self in, like words like self-indulgence or showing mm. off they're, they're designed to stop people from telling their stories yeah, yeah. Um, because we're all interesting I think 
and when we tell a story as well, like what you're talking about, it's like when you share a specific detail, for some reason that makes it more universal. Yes. Like people can well, relate to yes, it so much more. And, yes. and so that's what you're, yes. do, like what you're doing. And, yes. and so you, you might be telling a story about faith, but if you're really specific about it, me who's someone who, I, I guess I have no faith or I have, I'm agnostic about faith, you know, yeah, right. Well, there you go. There's already yeah, yeah, a connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if, if someone was telling a story about faith, I can hear it as someone who hasn't got faith and still relate yeah. to the specific yeah. details of their lives. You know, it's amazing. And that's the thing, because I mean, I think from the beginning it was always like, oh, what's your USP? What's your, I don't, I don't, oh my God, what's my USP? I don't know. What, what is it? <laughs> Unique selling point. What is it? I don't know what it is. It's like, it's me. Right. <laughs> it's being me. Right. And I was like, well, why would anyone be interested in anything? I've got to say, because I look back and I think it was pretty boring. You know, it's right. not, it's not, why would anyone pay or even just sit through an hour of, of, of you know, what essentially was my life or, 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 you know, my experiences? But it's fascinating what we call boring, right? Because yeah. we think of our own lives and we're all kind of a bit bored by our own yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's something I've learned in true storytelling. It's like, the things that I thought were just every day weren't everybody else's every day. Um, so when I tell them, Tell, tell the story of how my childhood functioned, how, how the family dynamic worked. People are like, "That's really weird. That's really odd. That's an interesting story." But for me, that's you know, that's just that day-to-day existence. Yeah. I, I sort of assumed everybody had similar lives because that's what you do, right? You just assume everyone is having a sort of similar experience as you, um, in some ways, when you're growing up. Also, but don't you think? Um, I think sometimes when you think um, you're having the same life, but also you think. Oh my god, this is so bad! I can never tell anyone because right. no, one no one else, else will understand. No it. one yes. else will get this because this is this is this is so bad. That's like, the other know. thing, and, and talking about those things that yeah. are so bad. Yeah, and I don't I, think like in a therapy way. No, no, like, no. You know. But I mean, well, I think it is kind of therapy, but I think it's okay for me, from my point of view. I think like shared therapeutic yeah. experiences between me and an audience yeah. member. That's all right. I mean, I, I'm not a professional. I can't heal anyone, yeah. but I think that's okay. Um, but. But yeah, definitely. Like talking about those those darker experiences, you do feel like you're the only one who is having them. You feel like you're the only one who's who's having so much misery, and if you can't tell it other people because uh, they won't understand, and actually they do. Yeah, they totally they do. understand. They do. They're having similar experiences. They do. Yes, and that's what I think you get from. That's what's so rewarding about doing uh, truth storytelling is that um, that those your story will connect with someone in the room and it's a bit almost like I don't know I haven't been to AA or anything but it, it, from what I understand of it yeah. recovery where sharing your personal experience will help someone in the room yeah you know well, that's what we yeah. often talk about like within the Spark London team we often talk about Spark London uh, events being like Alcoholics Anonymous or yeah. a recovery group but without the addiction so like you know you might have a few people who are talking about addiction but the rest of us are just are just talking about other experiences yeah. and uh, yeah it has that therapeutic experience just having someone stand up and talk about what they've been through has a, has a massive effect on an audience member you know because it will chime with some you know some of the audience members will have something that chimes with that it is good and it, for me it's almost I mean I, I, I don't know I've never tried therapy I've tried to get therapy but it's hard to get it on the national health but, but to me it sort of seems like it's it's a very good it's a very good form of therapy it's, it's a, a way of getting healing and all of that stuff without paying out loads of money yeah yeah yeah, yeah. free therapy yeah, yeah right which is the best kind of therapy I think when we're talking about darker thoughts but even like with um, Immigrant Diaries when we did it in London 
there, and we had only had 45 minutes so we had to condense everything down so it was like kind of like little bridge versions of your own story and the audience reaction and it was quite multicultural Guardian reading you know they're like oh my god oh, that's so and they wanted to share their stuff and there, there was, there was oh god, somebody feels what you're you know we've been, yeah. and it that was like wow and there's this whole untapped market that I realised that day I thought oh my god they they are hungry for this kind of stuff and I wonder if that's where stand-up has done this full circle where it's become so TV and commercialised and it's almost bit of that we want something different and I do yeah. think storytelling is is the future well, I think a lot of different genres are moving towards storytelling yeah. it's a really yeah. interesting moment to be involved in storytelling because spoken word is going in that direction so is comedy yeah. you know lecturers and people like that are like getting up and just talking more to tell their, tell their academic do, ideas and so yeah it's all moving towards the same place do you place. think it's um, it's it's the, it's the fact that you're sharing a part of yourself because that's quite, yeah. a, quite a big thing to give away isn't it of yourself it's a big part of it but it's also unmediated as well like we're so used to our art experiences being mediated you know and I'm not saying that's a bad thing but yeah. you know it's, it's so different from watching it on a screen or watching it on a phone, right? It's, it's this personal, like you're in the room, oh, it's yeah, a live yeah, yeah. moment. Yes, yes. You know, and you're standing up and you're seeing somebody yes. else sort of like, just be there, be themselves. A and 3D person, a yeah, real person like, as opposed with, to, with yes. With complexity, yes, with all yes, of those things yes. that we sort of lose in a lot of our, our, our films, I think. Which, yeah. I mean, you know, which I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly, I'm a big fan of television and film and stuff. But I do think that people are kind of crying out for a live experience. Because mm. we've always had live experiences, but they're just they're less in vogue now in some ways. And I think people are moving towards storytelling for that reason, you know. I think that's quite an interesting idea because it's, we are becoming a nation of literally you can't sit down for a coffee without someone looking at their phone. Or, right. You know, and so you're never really connecting in the moment anymore. It's right. always, even if you're watching a concert, you've got your phone, you're watching... Yeah. Through the, you know, you're concentrating on getting that on film or on tape, and you're never in. So, I guess storytelling does offer, and, and I hadn't really thought of it that way before, but I suppose that is kind of the magic of why it works then. Yeah, I think so. And I also think that there's this thing of like, you know, like theatre's too expensive, like what live, live experiences yeah, do we yeah. have? You know, you've got like football I guess is a live experience people like not me I don't understand it but but that's expensive too there's a real there's an expense barrier for every kind of live performance that isn't there really within kind of comedy clubs or storytelling clubs it's there within big you know bigger O2 arena comedy sure but okay yeah. magical maybe I just have thought of this on the spot what about is it the new kind of big brother experience you know reality TV yeah is this like the the you know, we've gone from reality TV like through a screen of watching someone kind of playing a version of their own lives. Yeah. In the tower, is a bit like yeah, yeah, no, the tower is the next step from good that. Connection, yeah. And then, and now this is actually more immediate. It's more like I said. Well, like, if I can, I, I know it sounds. I don't. You must feel it too. Like when you, when you tell something and and you feel the audience feeling what you've just told them. It, yeah. I know it sounds really like yeah, yeah, yeah. cheesy and pathetic, but it's like oh, it hits you here in your heart. It was just. I feel yeah. that connection to that audience, and right. I can't get that hit from necessarily other things, you know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I totally relate to that stuff uh, that you're saying there, and also I think it's an, it's an, an interesting comparison with reality TV because I think we do have this urge to connect with other people, and I think that's why people like, which well, why they like reality TV. I like some some programs, but I'm quite picky because I find a lot of it exploitative in reality TV. 
what's great about a storytelling night is that the person telling the story control. they control it yeah, they're, they're telling it, yeah. you their story yeah. it's not being told by a by a, a sort of cynical TV executive who wants to edit the worst like yeah. bits of that person or the most ent- entertaining well, they manipulated like rat lab rats right. to react right, to a certain right, way right. you know like by task or whatever um, however I do find it fascinating I remember the very very, very first um, Big Brother yeah, I really I wanted I want these uh, because it was based on the Den- Danish experience right? yeah. and I remember thinking I really wanted to do that but my son was really young and I thought oh I can't just but I did, he had no idea you couldn't predict what was happening in the future That in that moment yeah. they were growing their own uh, vegetables They it was a much better experiment you know they had to get their own eggs for breakfast with yeah. the chickens and it, that I felt I think we lost that, that after that first you know, series well it very quickly became something that fed off itself so yes, people yes, were kind of going yes, for that yes. reality TV you know and it, sort of, and it started to play into those yeah. things so the people who got through the people who did well like the kind of people yeah. who did well in it were kind of people who had arguments Argue, and you know I guess that's a that's the nature of making drama as well you know drama is about conflict and so from the point of view of the, the makers I guess they needed to make conflict but making conflict artificially between human beings is not something that I think is it's not pleasant it's not it's worthwhile not pleasant. it's, it's pleasant. Pleasant. That very gladiator, gladiator kind of yeah. uh, you know but I guess in storytelling you don't have to talk about you know, conflict. You can't no. talk about pain. You can't talk about. But I think all of happy that. Things. Yeah, and I think there always has to be stakes or co- a, a, like an element of conflict in it. But be, because you're telling it, and yes, it's, it's, I remember the right, course, right, yes, right. Yes. And also, I think the other thing about it is it's, it's it's not just because you're telling it. It's also you didn't make those life experiences happen for people mm. in entertainment. No, no. You're just taking yeah. those life experiences which happen and sort of like making some sense of them. You know. In, in, when you tell your own story, you're sort of putting order onto the chaos of life because no one's actual life is narratively structured. But when we tell no, those stories, true. we can kind of retell them and kind of have ownership of stuff that have happened to us, whether it's happy or sad. Like you say, it doesn't have to be sad. So, I mean, one of the things, I guess, that you're, that you're telling stories about, one of the things you've sort of referred to quite a few times, I guess, you've got your show Immigrant Diaries. Yeah. So I guess you're an immigrant, I guess. I'm Swedish, obviously, with uh, <laughs> my lovely Asian looks. Uh, right. <laughs> I am an immigrant. I am a proper first-generation immigrant because I've always been considering myself second-generation. Only when I started doing the show, I thought, hang on a minute, I wasn't born here. Right. So I'm actually a first-generation immigrant right. who's done very well to simulate. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I guess yeah, so come, come over from quite where? young, yeah. Because yeah, um, I was born um, in Pakistan. And so, like, when I tell the story on, on Immigrant Diaries, it's like I say that, you know, my family kind of nomadic immigrants because obviously the partition happened between India and Pakistan and my parents were both from India side and the, and the friend I was staying with, she was from, she said that, there, you know, the lot of Hindus and Sikhs moved from the Pakistan side because I said, what was Pakistan before? But what part of India was it? Like, was it the Punjab? Was it, what part was it? We were trying to work it out. Like, why don't we know this? Right. Because we know that there's parts of Pakistan like Lahore and Islamabad, they are the Punjab. But... When that partition happened, what was there for? So when I go home to my mum tonight, I'm going to go and ask her. Um, but so yeah, they, they moved to Pakistan. I was born, and my dad moved to Germany. Again, I cover this in the in the show. And then my mum, in a fit of sort of jealous rage, thinking she saw a photo of him with a blonde, <laughs> and she just sold all her gold and thought, right, I'm going to go and catch him in the act. And she's quite a little woman, very feisty, and uh, he wasn't having a photo, just a work colleague. And that's how we ended up in Germany. And oh. then she was the driving force. And this whole thing about women being sort of the weaker sex in an Asian household, they're actually really strong and, you know, they kind of lead. And it was her driving us 
to come to the UK. My dad had been here maybe late 50s and you know I heard nice stories about him like him wearing his white tuxedo and I was like you know that seems so incongruous to what I knew him like and then uh, so so he wasn't so keen but she was because she wanted education and it's like a lot of I think because my uncle had been educated here he went to Oxford and that was what she wanted for her children none of us made it to Oxford by the way so her dreams were not realised and then we came via different countries in Europe lived in France for a bit and then came here so I was multilingual when I arrived wow that's um, pretty useful I mean you know you picked up loads of languages when you're yeah, young that's the time you to do keep it. them that's good well, right. I haven't necessarily kept them okay. I can barely speak <laughs> English sometimes but um, yeah no I, I, I kind of lost you know but I know when I arrived here the teachers because when we lived in Germany we lived in the American base and I learned English it's like the American so when I came here, I could speak all these languages, and they said, "We, well, she seems to understand what we're saying, but we can't understand what she's saying." So I used to have to be sent on the special bus uh, <laughs> with the dyslexics, and you know, all the other things that weren't diagnosed then, Asperger's, all the, you know, yeah. people, people that they, basically get, yeah. But basically, basically, the people that did that at that time, nobody understood what was wrong with them, right. and that was. So you were on the question mark. Yeah, bus. yeah, we and it's like we don't understand what she's going. We don't right. understand what she's going on but we're going to send her there and all of us were traumatised by that it was right. horrible because obviously if you're dyslexic you didn't, at that point you didn't know what that was and so you're just sort of feeling stupid if you're you know if you've got Asperger's syndrome or, or any of those spectrums you know again you don't know why have I been sent away from all my friends that, you know yeah. and it's someone like me I was like what should I do wrong why am I being punished you know and it did feel like a punishment it was awful that I hated that bus ride I was right. like, why am I on this bus you know and I and I and I know I shouldn't but it because it, it, for me the way I I looked at it, it was like they people just take the mickey about the special bus but I was like yeah we are special I am special you know we're all special because I spoke five languages there was a little girl who had she had a really good photographic memory so she, I'm sorry but that's like they're like superpowers these are we've all got superpowers right. but no, no one's realised them right. you know it's a bus full of kids with superpowers <laughs> well that's my interpretation that's of it a, now I think that's a pretty nice interpretation yeah it is yeah I mean it's, it is, and it's a good one too because a lot of the time when when people get grouped together inappropriately they end up resenting each other you know like people like you might have ended up going well I'm not in a, this is in very commas and not my opinion but you might be like I've not got anything wrong with me therefore I shouldn't be on this bus but you haven't done like that you've gone no we're all we've special, all got we're special, special things yeah, we've got special powers right? we've got special gifts um, yeah, that's a and they are gifts aren't they right? they are gifts right none of these things people understood them back in that in that time and that, and that just so shows what, how far we've moved what, what time are we talking, about talking to late yeah, 70s now right. so obviously Thatcher would have been what, what year was Thatcher I remember I was at school and Thatcher came in. It was all that era. But the thing that I think when I arrived here, it was all very, very alien. The thing that that I found magical, we arrived in the night and it was just before Christmas and there were Christmas lights. So it wasn't as many as you get now, but I remember seeing like twinkly lights and and it it was like... And it was obviously it's not daytime so I can't see what the what it looks like daytime all I see is twinkling lights and it's this magic when we come out of the we had this like scuba doo van that we came in and I was like oh it opened my eyes and it's just like oh my god we're in a magical fairy tale so I had a really overactive imagination anyway by the way so right. <laughs> I would just create these imagine and I, I had imaginary friends and you know and I was like oh this is like so I, it was Christmas has always been from that time onwards even though in Germany we'd celebrate because there was like really heavy snow in Munich we'd have really thick heavy snow I never I never got into it until I came here 
and that's the first memory I have coming out and seeing these beautiful twinkly lights and it was this magical I felt like it was I think we were only in Acton but it was magical <laughs> yeah because uh, we went to my aunt's house the first time um, and, and then I spent years nearly my life trying to somehow make Christmas hours like we could you know Right. Yeah. So it's a, I, I still it's my favourite time of Chris, uh, Christmas and Halloween. Two of my favourite times of the year. <laughs> and Fair I do, Yeah. I mean, as an immigrant, it's something you you need something that you feel you can attach to. And for me, I wanted. I didn't understand the harvest festival. But I didn't get that. Yeah. That's Where's this food going? Why are yeah. we going to take tin beans? And also, my mum trying to be helpful she made like a big load of pakoras and it was just like oh the worst thing she could have done because and I said we've got to take some food and she was thinking well you know I'll make fresh food why do you want to take a tin or something I'll make fresh and she was trying to be helpful but of course that different time different era like what are these you know it's smelly and I was like oh can't we just have fish fingers and chips like everybody else right. and I just wanted to fit in but I never got a harvest festival I didn't get it I didn't understand why we took this food in we put it on the stage yeah I and never then, understood why they're yeah, eating. I mean, why they yeah. cans if it's about yeah. harvest? Anyway. Do the teachers eat this? Where does right. this go? Where right. does this food go? Nobody explained this to me. So it's just like once a year, we take loads of food for the teachers. Do they make school dinner out of it? What do they do with it? Yeah. I never got it. No, I don't really understand why what it was all about either. And we plough the fields and scatter the good seed. In I can remember that right. song. Yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously originally it was about celebrating the harvest, but by the time I was doing it in school, it seemed to be about celebrating baked bean cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Confusing. Yeah. Or like cereal, do they still do cereal it? in boxes. I don't think so, to be honest. I, I, I worked in I worked with the under fives in schools for quite a few years, and I, I don't remember seeing anything about harvest festivals for any of those years. So yeah, I, I think they probably stopped. At least they've stopped in London, in Enfield where I used to work. They don't do it. I did a similar thing because I ran a club night in Red Hill, and we did. Like, so we last two, three years. We um, I couldn't believe I'm even sorry that they have food banks that we actually need food banks in a rich area like that so um, we went and visited me and the other lady who runs the company they were hilarious because they were saying like, don't, we don't need any more pasta could you get you know we don't need any more we need this we need this and it was like, like a little shopping list yeah. but, so we did collect and we asked people at the club regularly say look bring an item of dry food this is on the list you know and we collected so much food and it reminded me of the Harvest Festival yeah. and I thought well somebody said look this is going to go to someone maybe they did give it yeah. to somebody I mean that yeah. would be nice yeah right? that would I mean, be nice that yeah. would have been a, 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 a really great thing to get behind and if they want to bring I mean you know the sad thing is they probably should bring back Harvest Festivals yeah, in all that very schools reason. as a food yeah. bank at this moment yeah. in time the way things Absolutely, are yeah. you know getting tighter and tighter for everybody and you know it's it's sad that we need, you know, need food banks more than more than ever. It feels like you when know. you think about the, the flip side, where how much food is wasted. Right. You know, when we waste so bulks and bulks of food that doesn't need to be wasted. Right. We're such an affluent yeah. nation. It's mm. ridiculous that there are people who need food banks in this country, but there are. You know, and it's and it, you know that's a terrible, terrifying thing. You know, when you think of how privileged this country is yeah. compared yeah. to other yeah. countries, you think, well, you know, Jesus. But all the cynics, of course, out there, and it really makes me so angry. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they've just taken this free food. And, and like, do you know what? We went, we witnessed the process. And and what's the scary thing? It's like, it's people like you and yeah. me. You know, my yeah, 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 she said, oh, you know, it's just people like you and me. It's like, you think, oh, I was expecting, I don't know what, you know, 
this image you have of the people who may become homeless, I mean, there by the grace of God, let's face it, go yeah. either you or nothing, right? Absolutely. I mean, I know I've got friends who've been homeless for periods of time in their lives. But I you're mean, lucky you've got, you've got friends and the can for sir. But it's a well, non- no, 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 I'm talking no. about proper, proper, oh, proper homeless, homeless people, okay. yeah. But I mean, but, but not not like well, but a particular friend of mine who also hosts Spark London was yeah. properly homeless, like lived in a skip, uh, that kind of homeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, that that shocks me because it's like we are in an affluent country. We're not in a third world country here. Yep. Um, but it's so easy for it is, anyone it is, to slip into. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, there is a period of my life where I hit rock bottom, and thank God for my family because that, that could have been me so I always have to remember that, that and, and they say was well, you're two three meals away from possibly right there's a, there's a saying isn't there I don't remember it I can't, can't, yeah, I, I've heard the phrase but can't remember it yeah, um, but anyway <laughs> I, I, and, and so the process to have to go through is horrendous it's, it's quite humiliating to just get a bag of shopping absolutely so these people are not trying to you know rip anyone off right because I and, and when you've got nothing and I, I think we've all been in a situation where you have up and down, in, you know, in, in, in a kind of like your luck. You only have your dignity left and your pride. And if you take that away from someone, you've taken everything away from them. You've absolutely stripped them of, you know, their sort of last bit of, that's, that's that last bit of kind of clinging on to humanity. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I remember in, in a, um, I went back home once and there was a man selling stuff. And I didn't need it. It was like, the, if you put it in a trousers, like a string, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll buy some because, you know, obviously he's trying to make a living. And my uncle came across and he said, oh, look, look, here's 200 rupees. And gave, he goes, you don't need this, and gave them back to the man. This man, oh, my God, I just remember this so much because he talked to me afterwards. He was, <clears throat> he was welling up with tears and he got the money and he threw it back at my uncle. And my uncle got angry and said, oh, you know, that's really ungrateful. And I was so upset. And I said, do you not realise he is trying to make a living, right? You've stripped that last bit of, you know... Um, pride that he had whatever he's doing he's trying to make a living he doesn't want to beg he's not he's he's not gone to that point yet where he has to beg and there is a lot of begs out there and by throwing that money at him you know you you've made him feel so small and that i just i was so upset but i was crying he said why because you know why are you getting upset because there's hundreds and hundreds of these you can't help everyone it's like but in that moment it just really hit me it was just like my god and that's how i've always remembered that, that situation so when, when you apply it here it's no different right. that people are having to jump through hoops to get a bag of shopping you know and that I guess relating back to why we're talking I run my club because and that's the only reason I run it because let's face it you know how much hard work there is <laughs> running a night is to raise money and awareness for those kind of charities that kind of really you know personally affect me right. and I just feel that's why the club works if we try to make it as a business it would never you know right. there's something and, right. the, and the community gets the, you know, on behind that and it's I mean, been going for nine years now so I, mean, I guess part of it if you're if you're doing stories like getting people to come up and talk about being being an immigrant yeah. then you're, you're also kind of I, it's, it's a ridiculous word to use because obviously everybody's human but you're humanising immigrants yeah. for people yeah what you got to do right. humanise people yeah because people look like the word immigration is just a, a word in a it's newspaper. Dirty now. Right? It's, it's, it, it, it just is, yeah, exactly. When you see it, it doesn't mean people to people. It just means the enemy. It means like, like yeah. it, you know, that, that's ridiculous. This is every, you know, as you know, mm-hmm. you know immigrants are humans, mm-hmm. and um, they, 
the idea that this, this country isn't completely made up of immigrants, that, that even you know people who think they're not immigrants, if you go back far yes, enough in, yes. their, in their background, you know, we're an island country, most of the people know, who come here have been immigrants. You know, it's it's an interesting little first question I'll ask, is in the audience, like, look, you've got any got any immigrants in, and that's like, you'll get a few, and they're like, come on, look back, what about your mum, your dad, your grandma, and they're like, oh, my grandmother was, you know, right. just, and then suddenly the penny drops, and, and the whole word, that word, then takes on... Oh, what, we're immigrants? Oh, well, oh, Granny was an immigrant. Oh, God, it's a bit awkward, you know? Because right. <laughs> I, I was hoping to sort of have a go at them. But, yeah, and, and, and it's not, it's not, it's not a political show. It's just telling a story about, like, I would tell the Christmas story, right? And, I, and somebody else who comes along and says, oh, you know, her mum, because obviously, you know, like, the thing you've got left is your pride. Her mum, for her mum, it's like, oh... Um, to live here you've got to have a table you know you've got to have a dining table and that's that's the height of kind of being when you've arrived so she saved up and saved up and she had to get it from Harrods or it, I can't remember some store and it was a big deal because it was like yeah we finally got the dining table so therefore we now you know and, and so when someone who's maybe got that opinion of a negative immigrant immigrant and they hear that and they say okay that's that's actually that's that's not this scary horrible person who's coming over here to you know you know, rape our women and, 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 and take all our jobs and, and benefits all at the same time, by the way. Right, exactly. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a real story and, oh my God, the struggles. You know, what about the struggles that they've got? Right. And that they've, they've now moved on and they're contributing back. You know, they're contributing back. We're not... We're talking about a small percentage when people have this fear-mongering about this influx of immigrants coming over and taking everything. It's like either the Islamists and... I love how they've changed from... Uh, Al-Qaeda to Islamists you know it's like oh my god Al-Qaeda the, it's not, the message is not getting out there it's not we're not you know, we want to hate the Muslims so let's make it Islamists let's make it you know it, there is a minority and I think sometimes because I've been kind of interested in this right back from the book burning times with uh, Sam Rushdie the whole phenomena yeah and uh, it's like nobody had read the book but Muslims and I'm talking about even like an aunt who came over from Canada. She saw that I had the book. She said, oh my God, oh my God, you know, get rid of it. I said, why? And she said, no, apparently it's this and this. And I said, have you read it? No. I said, read it. It's a bit of a shit book, actually. But, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not going to hurt you. Right. And she hadn't read it. But what it is, you have this imagined kind of sense of what you should be based on what you see projected in the media. So the media, I don't think, are helping. Because, like, those young girls who just... I mean, how the hell did no one notice 15 year old girls disappearing so they're watching themselves or, or, or a reflection of themselves and it's not a positive role model so, you know there's all this like media hype on, and they're thinking oh well, that's what we should be like it's like if you're impressionable and you're young and you think oh yeah well that's the right thing to do to go off to Syria and fight right. you know back in my day it was Malcolm X all the kids were into Malcolm X young kids need they haven't got those role models right. they haven't got them young Asian kids yeah they was black, uh, American. They had. They, it was like, well, we need something. Uh, yeah, we've got no, Malcolm, I, I and mean, then the I music at the time. Great, uh, yeah, great hero yeah, yeah, to have. Yeah. If you're an and, Asian and, kid and, and, up. Yeah. and also the music at the time as <laughs> right. well. But what I'm saying is that this this new generation, we need more role models because the only thing that the only reflection they've got is is like, oh, okay, well, that's what we're supposed to be, and, and, and everybody hates us anyway. It's, it's kind of almost right. like you were saying about going things feeding upon itself. It's 
so funny with just seven. I don't have any answers. Trust me, I don't have no, any no, answers. He, and the, he whole does. Show, the whole point about the show you know what, is you that know I what, you, the, you're not required to have answers. Yeah, it's like I'm just sitting on the. You happen to be an Asian yeah, woman, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't, and I don't know why. I don't understand it. But I'm just giving this as a theory that perhaps it's because we don't. They, if, why are young? Why are young people born? You know, born in this country. I mean, I had a sort of comedic take on it years ago, and I said, oh, when we were growing up, we were fighting for our rights to go out and basically be, like, just our, you know, English friends. Like, we wanted to be, you know, we wanted to be going out, we wanted to go to parties, we wanted to do all those things. So that's what we're spending all our energies on. Yeah. And this generation grows up now, has children, and, and they've given them, like, you know, you can go out, darling, go, 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 go make friends. I mean, I know I do it to my son. I've got, like, 17-year-old son, so I know I do it to him. I said, go out and, you know, have fun. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, like and, and it's like, he's rebelling against my freedom that I'm offering him right you know but I think it's complicated it's more complicated than that because if, if that generation is being offered the freedom in inverted commas of the west yeah. right when they go out and try to enjoy that freedom yeah. they're not uh, treated as equals no, and not. so of course they end up going well I, I'm not allowed to have this thing I'm being offered so I might as well be angry about the people who have got yeah, that thing yeah. and I totally I totally get that yeah I mean I, I don't understand why you know again it's it, it's this idea of looking at people as if they're not human so yes people are getting radicalised but they're human beings yeah, getting radicalised yeah they are they're normal and why are yes, they getting yes, radicalised what yes. are the reasons yes have a look at the reasons and one of the reasons is the massive racism the massive Islamophobia that we have in this country and it's like, fear absolute, absolute fear right I mean when I hear even you know like even close friends I hear them talking it's like I suddenly thought I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'll debate it and I'll talk because I don't I, I've detached myself from that and then I realise that they I feel that they I be, they think I belong to that hang on a minute I am not the spokesperson right I am not the spokesperson exactly. I am not answerable to I am as confused by this as you yeah. and that's when it becomes scary like you're now tarring every single person who happens to be born in that faith and I just happen to be born in that, into that faith with the same brush you know it's 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 that's where it's scary well, I think that that's exactly what the te- terrorists want yeah like, they're winning they're every winning time we, every time we say all Muslims are the same we're absolutely recruiting loads more people for, for, for radicalised organisations and not only that we're also encouraging loads of people to go out and beat up innocent people uh, people who may not even be Muslims they might just happen to yeah, share the skin yeah. colour of a Muslim yeah, yeah. you know it, 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 it's like a very good holiday you know <laughs> No, and I mean, and not not to say that that, that 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 Muslims deserve it anyway, right? Like, it, it's not it's not worse if a Hindu gets beaten up uh, than if a Muslim gets beaten up. Anybody that gets beaten up, based on their skin color or what is imagined that their faith is, is is, is, is you know that's unforgivable. It's well, un- impossible to understand. It's no why people to, do that. Really. Well, I feel like Apart I've gone from, backwards. You know, you know? I can see why they do it because of the media. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Fear obviously, and poverty and all that stuff. And it's it is fear, but I, I mean, I'm going back to I, it, uh, right. So something happened. An incident happened. My neighbours um, left um, catchit in a chocolate tin and Rose's chocolate tin, or is it Heroes? I can never remember. I think it was Heroes actually, <laughs> <laughs> and, and left it outside my door. My first instinct was like, oh, God, they are so pissed off that I didn't do my garden, right? And, um, <laughs> and it took another friend of mine saying, oh, my God, do you do know that's, like, retro racism? And I was going, no, 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 but they haven't said anything. No, it is. And then there's a black guy who lives downstairs, and he said, you're in Austria, you're in Austria, because they did a similar thing to him. But Because I was like, what? Why would you do that? You don't know me. Why would you? 
I had this back in, you know, the, when I was at school, why do I need to go through this again? Right. And it's a different... Back then, it was like, you, you know, people who were Pakistani could say, oh, you can't call me a Pakistani because I'm not one. Right. But, and that, but really, it was they, that was just one little derogative word to cover anybody who looked ethnic Asian. Right. You know, at the time, because they, they didn't know what the difference well, between Indian and Pakistani was. And what you're referring to then is what I was getting at with with the yes. special bus, yes. right? Yeah. It's, it's that thing that a lot of the time people, like, yeah, like a Hindi person will be like, I'm not one of those. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't yeah. tar me with yeah. that brush. Yeah. Well, that's not the point. There shouldn't be a brush. Yeah, there, there is no this, brush. Right. We're, we're, yeah, we're just, we're, you know, it could be me, it could be you, it doesn't matter. They hate right. us all, you know. Right, right, they right. hate us all. And, they ha- and, and it's fear of all, you know, it's fear of someone who looks that particular way. And, and another thing was, uh, sorry, the show, I had, um, I, I've had, when we were the hijabs on I'm genuinely interested because they're young girls why because I didn't grow up with that we don't have that in our family like South Asians we didn't have you know the hijab and the burqas and it's almost like a statement of partly I think it's fashion as well yeah uh, and it's fashion. also a statement I think both sides this one piece of fabric is pulling both sides they're both pulling at it you know to, to, to kind of represent what they want it to represent you know the West is sort of playing, oh, this is like, you know, this is a symbol of oppression, you know. Right. And the other side is like, no, it's not. This is our identity. You won't take that away from us. And they're both pulling, pulling at this. It's like a tug of war over this piece of fabric, right. effectively. Right. We didn't have that with a phone, did we? And I found that really offensive. Yeah, all of it, all, well, I think <laughs> and uncomfortable. Well, yeah, that's, well, fair enough with the uncomfortableness. But I think almost we do have it with phones as well. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of, I can't remember where I've seen it, but there's a cartoon... Uh, of someone in a hijab and someone in a bikini and like the same headline above like you can't wear that or something like that yeah we do have that kind of um, legislate over clothing well the thing is whatever women choose to put on their body suddenly becomes political like everybody wants to tell them how to wear what what they should be wearing you know well it's interesting that it's the women that have been told that they can't wear that it's not been the men if anything you know beards have become even more popular let's face it with the the, the, what do they call them the Uh, hipsters the, well, yeah. Um, what's it? The, the, oh, the, a, the youth, the hipsters. There's a number sexual. That's what they keep saying. Oh, the it's number sexual. Yes, yeah, so like, like it's like the development from metrosexual into the lumberjack look is being called like lumber sexual. Wow. Well, yes, so, it's, it's becoming. No one's, no one's saying. Oh, hang on a minute. They represent beards. Represent you know, Islamic terrorists. But why is it the women? As <laughs> what you know. You, so you, I, I just find um, a Muslim woman's place is is kind of she's stuck in the middle, like because. You know, her allegedly because I don't think all not all are oppressed. Let's face it. You know, and, and most I think here, living in Europe, will choose to wear the hijab or burqa for whatever reason they want. They they choose to wear it, right? They have that freedom. So they kind of been like told that being oppressed by their own community, but then then, then 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 you know the West doesn't sort of really help them either, and it's right. just like they are. They have no voice on either side. It seems like they're yeah they're only used as a political tool. Yes, it's a political like, tool. It's, by it's both amazing sides, yes. how many really horrific, powerful white men suddenly become feminists because they I hate know, Muslims. I know, right? I know, it's, I know, a, I know, it's absurd. I know, it's like I know, you're I know. not a feminist, I sister. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, 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 I was too my my, my, my my kind of white male guilt wouldn't allow me to do that that high five. Like I'm not. I, 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 right. no, 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 I can't. I can't. I can't uh, assume that perspective of like I, I don't represent feminists. I just am a feminist man who happens to. I don't even like saying a feminist man. Like I'm a feminist 
who happens to be a man at the same time it's not my place because I'm a man to get involved in like taking like a yeah hey I'm a sister like it's my lot I know we joked about like you know like leave women with something um, and feminism sure. is it but, but you know why can't a man say well hang on a minute that isn't that isn't actually I don't you know I mean surely I think some, a man can say they're a yeah, feminist yeah, I, I do yeah, yeah. but it's a very strange sentence isn't it it's like I'm gonna I, I, it's almost like you're, because you use the word male you want like a pat on the back or a high five which is why I was reluctant yeah, yeah, to yeah, take yeah, the high yeah. five or some cookies you know is that is the, like oh yeah I'm a, I'm a feminist like that makes me really special like no you're just if you're a feminist you're a decent human being and that's as far I as it goes I agree with you but I, I, I'm saying that and so there are a couple of, a couple of controversial things I have that maybe I, I don't know if I should share them we've, but, all, got, we've all got a yeah. few yeah. I mean, it's things, like so you know you're talking about like, so the, the feminism like, so for me personally having studied feminism at uni um, I find western feminist ideology a little bit sometimes it's not really helping no, me, me or, or me I mean, too. And I'm quite, you know what I mean it's not, it's not and, and so I always say I'm a feminist on my terms and it's surely that is what feminism matters about, about being who you want to be right. I do not want to be told that I'm oppressed because um, and somebody said to me oh god you, you're oppressed but you don't even know that you're oppressed because you happen to be born Muslim I can't tell you how much that fucking pissed me yeah, off I, like, I can tell it's you like, like right, right okay so um, <laughs> it's just you know you privileged bitch right. <laughs> you know I, I was so angry it's like hang on a minute who are you to tell me that that's that's my story, right. you know. That's not my story. I'm just trying to give you about. Oh, you, no, you don't. You don't even know that you've been brainwashed, right? Because I'm trying to offer some balance. This you know? is a massive uh, yeah. faction within feminism, yeah, for yeah. sure, and, uh, in Western uh, feminism. But there are other there are other feminisms available. Beyond. Oh no, 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 I know, no, 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 no. I have, have you no, know, no, no, no. I know, yeah, and I know yeah. you. You'll know that yes. too. I'm, what I'm saying is that, um, and I don't want there to be fighting and stuff. And I just think, you know, it's just simple. Just be a decent human being. You know, yeah. accept that we're all we, we all deserve the same rights. And you know, don't be a dick, basically. Right. <laughs> don't, don't try and tell me. Great... Yeah. Don't try and. Um, tell someone how to live anyone no one should tell anyone else how to you know uh, unless of course they're hurting someone then you right. should do you to be there but um, it's like the person it's like our right to, to choose how to be ourselves as, unless we're hurting anyone else you know as long as we're not hurting anyone else however the fuck we want to be that's that's pretty much all right absolutely and that's how i live my personal yeah. life i don't want to hurt anyone else and but sometimes i like, i was saying i don't know the, i don't know the answers i'm sorry i don't and I, and I don't like when you know especially with social media now you have to take a camp anything happens you have to why can't you have one opinion on one side and but also agree with this side right. which is i know it's sitting on the fence but you know why is that not acceptable um like the charlie hebdo thing right, right? i got a lot of Flack for that because I refuse to use the hashtag. Yeah, I refuse to do that. I refuse to use the hashtag because it made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. And then when someone is saying, "Well, why?" I, I, well, okay. On the one hand, yes, I absolutely think it's appalling what happened. You know, seriously, for a cartoon, you kill these people. Right. But I also happen to know some of the French um, history in terms of um, the, uh, you know, the Moroccans and, and the Algerians and stuff because my family live in France. Right. And so I know the history of Charlie Hebdo yeah. as a magazine that started off as very, you know, satirical, cutting edge, blah, blah, blah. But it has become, let's say, to some people, more offensive now. Yeah. And it was like, I had to make a choice. It's like, no, but you're either with us, Ajila, or you're against us. Yeah. And that really infuriated me. It's like, hang on a minute, why can't I think that it was wrong for those journalists to die and then the cartoonists to die and on the other hand still think, um, well, hang on a minute, actually, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in this position too, but without, but being a, like, a, a, a privileged white man, like I don't have the the same like. I, I imagine, yeah, yes, right. yes. So I was in that position of I don't want to be on either side. I don't want to support a racist uh, publication just because of the fact that I, applaud, you know, I deplore what happened to the individuals. It doesn't mean I want to sort of hold that as a flag of this yeah, is what I yeah. support. And I think there is room for nuance, and there is room for saying I don't like terrorists, and I don't like racist publications, and I don't like Islamophobia, and I and I do like free speech. You know, all of those things yeah. are nuanced and less. And I'm still, about. I'm also angry about what's happening elsewhere in the world right, exactly. with innocent people dying because I think that they're being right. neglected. You know, and, and none can, of those things happen yeah. in isolation. Yeah. So the the history of imperialism yeah. creates the things yeah. that, that, that also then allow us to be even more imperialistic. When you talk about France, like free speech in France is a bit absurd because people yes, are not allowed is. to I know, wear I know, the hijab. I know, in, I know. In, they banned it. Right. So you've taken, you've in stripped school. them, yeah. literally stripped them of what for that for some women that's their identity. You've yeah. stripped them of that. And so the, it is a bit deeper than what the, 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 I think the world is seeing. See, but um, I think if I, but for me to take that position, which is what I did do, and I did get some not, yeah, yeah. not grief because what, what I had was you know long long arguments with friends, you know, about the nuances of it, you know, which isn't really that's not really an attack. And I had a bit of grief on Twitter for, for people who are like you know atheist types who are really angry with me saying that we shouldn't hate religious people automatically. But but I. I, I won't have got the same kind of like I felt waiting. really cornered right, I felt because really cornered. they're saying like you're responsible yeah, unless yeah. you and do are that. they going right. out to march I, and I was like you know which is interesting my family yes they did and I would I have gone I probably wouldn't have gone but then that was on reflection because of all what was happening with the people who came over the hypocrites that came yeah, over right, the leaders yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I was like whoa forwards, are right. you kidding me you know and that made me so angry but it was like in that moment I had to make snap judge decisions or I was against freedom of speech I was a fascist I was you know I was I was nothing right you had to apologise yeah, for the to, actions of people who had nothing to do with yeah. you yes. and, and also let's get some perspective why is the world reacted to two and let's face it it was two nutters and I personally I don't know the circumstances obviously nobody does of what these two guys went through and I knew it was going to it was no other way that was going to end that scenario there's no other because we can never ask them now why the ins and outs but they were two lone nutters and yet the whole of the Islamic world any Muslim you know was responsible in that moment for those two men's actions where else in in history in, in in kind of media do we have that scenario where a whole you know and at that moment it was a very lonely place if I, if, on a personal level it was a really scary lonely place because it just so happened and it may just become incidental but then you start thinking paranoid that none of my friends in comedy were communicating or answering my my phone calls or and I started feeling like oh my god you know maybe they all you start getting paranoid but I also know that it's going to pass the time's going to pass and we'll move on from this but there is a desire to say look for fuck's sake have we looked at this point but in that moment everybody is in this frenzy you have to use the hashtag you have to do this you have to do that you know and you can't there's no room for any other viewpoint especially offered for someone with my background because right. it's always going to be misrepresented right. it's always going to be mis- misheard 
and 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 you can't win. I can't win. Right, I'm, it's, it's left I, to the one. Right, exactly. If I come out against it, then I'm unlikely to be criminalised yes, for that. But, yes. if, if it, but, but I absolutely understand why anybody uh, of a, with, with a kind of background with Muslim faith would not want to be publicly seen to do that in this in that moment because it is very scary the way that societies clamp French, down yes, yes, on, on yes. people in those moments. I mean, and there were there were you know in France there were there were loads of kebab shops and mosques that were you know directly after that by people thinking that that's a good response to some violence you know so it's pitchfork kind right. of wielding you know mob mentality right. and I think sometimes when you're sitting in your own home that's what social media does that's bullying actually it's in your bedroom it's in your in your lounge you know and oh, it's not bullying it's like, okay so even like ridiculous things. Any other time, I don't even notice what my who's who's left my friendships or whatever in Facebook. In that moment, I could see it like a counter going down every every like few days, few hours. Like who's deleted me? Why have they deleted me? And that paranoia. Oh my god, what what have I said that's so terrible that you feel you 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 have to blame me for well, this? This you know? is an interesting thing I find about this kind of people who are like really like connected to this idea of free speech and I like free speech yeah yeah but it comes like, with responsibilities it does yeah. it's not just one but, but I think like the way that they believe like they start to believe like you say that they, they start to like silence people and shut people down when they're saying the words free speech like they're shouting free speech so loudly the irony the irony is missed on them and they say and then and then they say you can't say that yeah obviously the irony is completely missed on them and obviously this has had an effect on you right that like at the moment as we're talking i was trying to do the show um, yesterday what he's saying is i'm starting to blub It's yeah. all right. I can laugh and cry at the same time. But the thing is, as I was trying to do the bit in the show, and I'm, I guess it's too, you know, tragedy plus comedy uh, plus was it time? Time, yes. Yeah, time and we're not there yet because um, yeah. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't talk about. It. I was trying to compare it to when I was at school, and you want to fit in, you know. And, and this is the thing: it's really important to fit in. And, and so when you have that chip as your shoulder that you haven't always belonged, these things that you know these issues come up. Um, and, they, and it was like the girls were saying, well, you can come and play with us, Jayla, but you've got to play Chew the Butt. And I was like, have you ever, have you ever heard of Chew the Butt? No. I think they invented this game. You know, they were horrible girls. And basically, you have to smoke a cigarette. I said, but I don't smoke. So, well, you can't. We're well, not going to be in our gang then. And then, so you have a cigarette. Somebody had stolen a cigarette from their mum or dad. And then they, you smoke a cigarette. You pass it around. And the ashes to get longer and longer. And then the person who drops the ash has to chew the butt oh, no. at the end nice. 10 times right. and you can guess you know who's going to have to do it I've got OCD I've got like real major you know germ phobia going on and, and I said I'm not doing it well, you can't be in our gang then you know you're either with us or against us Jila. what's it going to be and in that moment they gave me this impossible choice I won, on the one hand I wanted to be you know in a group which accepted me because as a child that's really important and then on the other hand this is a vile disgusting thing and I don't think it's actually going to help if I do do it it's not going to make me feel good about myself right. and that was how I felt in that moment it's like you're either with us or against us use the hashtag or don't and I, and I was like hang on a minute I haven't decided how have you decided so quickly what you think right. how have you made that snap just judgement that what's right and what's wrong you know because they know that they are the us yeah right? the us yeah you're okay. either and, with and, us or right. against and us and they're saying are you going to be them or are you going to be us yeah but they feel very very secure in the fact that they're us because they're they're the people in charge but like, they, they it. know it on an on yes. instinctual yes. level but they don't realise that they know it so they just they don't realise how ho- horrible they are I mean 
I'm saying this, I probably am, am, am terrible in loads of ways that I don't realise, but I try, to, try not to be. I try to, like, not, not have that instinct. Well, I've always had this is, thing where I try and see the both sides, you yeah. know, but in that moment, actually, it just made me dig my... As, as horrible as it was, and how much easier it would have been to just go along with it, I just thought, no. I don't... I, my gut, I've got to rely on my gut. My gut is telling me that I... I don't feel I don't feel right. I don't know what it is yet. I haven't worked it. I haven't processed all this information. But this does not feel right to me, and that doesn't mean that I'm against or for anyone. You know, no. that it just this is how I feel. Personally, surely I'm allowed to do that. Are we? Are, we, are my thoughts now not allowed? You know, right. is, is, are we? Are we going to put a clamp down on what people think or how they feel emotionally? Well, and these are the people who are saying free speech. Yes, it's, exactly. It's so strange. It's so, to me. Up. It's so, it's so weird. fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. It's it's it's, it's a, it's a bizarre situation that we are in I feel like with around free speech as someone who I support free speech absolutely that doesn't mean that we have to be using it to be dicks somebody's saying that they don't want to go be on either side of this uh, situation so I'm going to unfriend them and never speak to them again I know literally bizarre, was watching you like bizarre. a counter like I said I never ever know it's only when I go contact someone like, oh I thought we were friends and it right. doesn't it never bugs me but in that moment that broke my heart every time I saw it. and I didn't know who it was I was I'm hoping there are people that I didn't really care about anyway because right. I've noticed right. you know people that I did like that have done that so I'm giving you one person's example of how I felt right. and I feel imagine someone who's a little bit younger yeah. a little more insecure feeling threatened feeling like nobody gives a shit and I know this is going to sound terribly co- I, I do it's part of material I do Enoch Powell right in his Rivers of Blood speech and I correct me if I'm wrong but didn't he say that the host country would never accept the immigrants and the immigrants offspring would then turn on the host country yeah right? I think he did and I know I don't sense this is terrible because I don't mean to like I don't want to quote him and say that this is but I can also pick out bits of people that I don't like and I think in that moment you think well hang on a minute they hate me nobody likes me I'm young I'm impressionable and you're not secure in your own thought process maybe when you're younger well this looks these people are welcoming with open arms they, they want me what's it 15 year old kids or 16 year old seriously are you really thinking they are ter- seriously come on you know I've got a 17 year old boy I know how young he is in his head are you really believe they are a threat why are you not offering them help right you know why well, I think we should be offering pretty much everybody help when they're when, like I mean I'm very uh, I guess liberal but I don't I don't see it as particularly liberal to be basically to treat human beings as if they're humans and try and solve the problems that, that, that they that, that, that we cause each other rather than sort of uh, treat people like they're unforgivable so I don't I don't really see anybody as being but unforgivable it's, 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 anyway yes but particularly children children yeah and they are children you know these girls are children what possessed them to just how how did I mean I don't understand 15 year olds I couldn't even go to London on my own without telling my mum how, how have they got to, right. how have they got to Syria I just don't get it I don't you know it just confuses me and I don't have answers for that but I'm just saying that we're living in a scary time and I just think it's not as black and white and can we please start not just doing this one pitchfork mob mentality of yes that's, they're all bad they're all bad yeah. we don't look at the you know why why, yeah. why are yeah. they turning on, on the host yeah. country yeah. because yeah. their host country never accepted yeah. them yeah. and like, they never we've felt never said that they, they belonged yeah right we've never said that they belong our politicians using rhetoric horrific re- rhetoric they always use around all of these areas I think whatever party they're from, pretty much, they play into this image of immigrants in this horrible way. And that's why the, my show, that's why I really, really need, like, because 
these kids don't have the right. Like, I mean, you know, Lenny Henry's like really working towards trying to get um, more diversity in TV, and and it's not high in the sky. It's true. No, we need sure, it. Right. We need it because I didn't have I many role models growing up, you know, and we do need it. I'm so I was so chuffed to see Romish Ranganathan on Jonathan Ross, and not just like a milestone for him and his career, but in terms of he, what a wonderful role model to have on a big show like that for young boys, young children to see. We need right. more positive for these kids, positive role models, because that's where it starts. I mean, like, you know, like I said, when the Malcolm X thing happened, that was because the music at the time was rap music and, and you know, so young kids were getting into that. So young kids were clinging on to the new thing. I mean, my son and his friends, they all, they're all white middle class, my son's friends, but they all think they're, they're black boys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, right. there, there is a, the kids cling on to things. So if you're not offering these children, and, I, and, and I'd love to do that show, Immigrant Diaries, with, for those kids, for, just to try and help and that was all this show was about was I just I'm so sick of the negativity I'm so sick of that one trick pony nonsense that we keep hearing everyone saying that I just wanted a flip side of that a positive yeah and it's not breaking any boundaries it's not you know it's clever in its simplicity and I never expected that that people love it I mean I'd love to do a show like on, on three generations like you know with the first generation of immigrants second right, generation third generation really and so yeah to see how they see their you know like my, my we had the uh, BNP come round and again I know this is but um, and, and this is a true story but my son was preparing that fly so he was preparing up the flyer and I said darling what are you doing and I saw he was and I, I thought oh, maybe I need to explain to him about the BNP but right. he was already there before me and he said, oh, oh, God, mummy, I don't want you to get upset. And I said, no, no, it's okay, we can talk about this. You know? And he said, oh, um, well, you know, if they're going to get into power, will you have to leave the country? And I said, well, you will go with me, though. And I was all joking with him. And he said, no, but I'm English. I'm British. Yeah. And he looked at me like, but you're the foreigner. And it's, it's interesting because he doesn't feel, you know, he's, he's, he's the son of two immigrants, Asian parents. But he doesn't feel, he feels British. He has no other identity, right. he feels British. And then Asian might be kind of further down the line, but whereas, you know, Asian is very sort of strong into my own. Well, yeah, but the, the, yeah. the sad thing is it doesn't matter how you kind of fully identify, you know, if, if the BNP did become in power, <laughs> it wouldn't matter. Yeah, he'll be going, he he'll be, be going. But how he feels his own sense of who he is. And so he represents those new generation of kids. Yeah, no, and then sure. if you then tell those children that they don't belong here, that they are part of the problem, then why, where does that why, leave them? Where do they go? You know, you're absolutely right. So the, the the last question that I ask everybody, which I think kind of probably dovetails quite nicely from where we are, um, is do you have anything to plug? <laughs> yes, I do. I've got Immigrant Diaries to plug. We're going to get part of the Changing Britain Festival at the South Bank which is a new festival that they're doing. She had re- pre-election covering the period between 79 and 97, uh, the stories. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that should be happening on, on the 24th of April. 24th of April. At the South, at the South Bank, yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll make sure that this goes out, you know, like a week or two weeks before that. So how can people find uh, the, the Immigrant Diaries? Like, where, where does it happen? Um, okay, so if you... Uh, it'll be go- we're on at the Brighton Fringe this year as well. And fingers crossed at the Edinburgh Festival too. Um, just waiting to confirm that. And you can find me on Twitter at Sajila Kershi, S A J E L A K E R S H I. You have to spell it. <laughs> and if you hashtag Immigrant Diaries, I'll find you and add you. 
Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and are you, are you doing a you're doing a solo show, aren't you as well? Shallow Halal. It's a great name. Yeah, and it which covers all the things about sitting on the fence, the faith fence. Right. Because I find all religions quite interesting, so I, I, I could easily jump ship. I don't know why we can't just have a like a buffet, you know, a religious buffet. And like, you know, I love Jewish weddings and they play Hava Nagila. I just like, oh, God, Jews are so fun. And they Hindu, you know, festival light and they're holy festival. I want to take that, you know. I want, yeah. I want to, I want, just think we should be able to have a buffet. I think that, that would make people much nicer to each other. Yeah, well, I fully agree with that. Yeah, that's a nice kind of idea. Like, so sometimes people plug ideas as well as uh, shows in the pluggy section, and we kind of are there. Like, have, treating faith like a buffet is a great, a great way yeah. of living, I think. I think. Yeah. Can't we have a faith festival where yeah. we can just do that and just go and try on different faiths? Or just, you should be able to educate each other about faiths, especially, and I, and I, somebody asked me a question on Facebook and then deleted it because he felt like he couldn't ask about Islam. And I thought, oh no, we don't want to go down there. Please ask, because right. we don't know. If you're confused, I think people should ask. Right, right, because you, 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 you're not a representative of, no, all, I'm not. of, no. all, of all Muslims, but you have got an understanding. Yes, a little bit. So why not, why if not? Don't ask, ask me, ask someone else, you know, yeah. or, or just just put your questions out there, because I think when you're sitting on them, that's when the fear grows. I don't know, I don't understand this. I'm not going to ask this because it might, you know, oh, it's dangerous. It's been a, a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you. We've had a, an interesting soundtrack to our very oh, kind yes, of... Oh, yes, we have, like yes. A kind of, it's been a really great conversation, though, so I think uh, people will have to just enjoy the beats while, while, know, while they're listening. It's, it's not quite brief encounter. <laughs> no, no, this wasn't the kind of thing that they would have mentioned no, at all in no, that no. incredibly white film. Well, actually, modern day, I can see it's uh, it's it's going to be rap. It's going to be a rap sh- like, track, isn't it? Right. You know, you can just imagine it's not going to be oh, deeply, truly, deeply, madly. It's going to be I don't know, I can't do rap, but I'm, I'm imagining why hasn't somebody thought this is a great idea? Yeah, a rap version a of, rap version uh, of Brief of, Encounter yes. would be an amazing. A rap musical version of Brief, yeah. Brief Encounter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm behind that. I'm, I'm behind it too, and I think uh, get get some black actors or ethnic actors, you right. know, and going back to the role models. There we go. <laughs> right. That, that, yeah, and it, I, I think it probably dovetails really well with uh, with with faith. One of the things brief encounters about is about like yeah, like you said earlier on, not not being overt about sexuality. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah. Well, well, people in faith background yes, really yes, understand yes. that. As far <gasps> as I can it, understand, make it brief encounter, but a multi-faith, a Jewish and a Muslim. Wow, there you go. There you go. Wrong. <laughs> yes. I, I hope people are listening to that. Yeah. Who, you know, who have power to commission things. Yes, multi-faith stuff. That's, that's a, the way forward. It's a good one. Okay, and the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Oh, goodbye, you lovely, lovely people out there. I hope I get to meet you all in person one day. I do love my audiences. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. So Immigrant Diaries is on Friday the 24th of April at the South Bank Centre from 8 till 10.30. And you should totally go along and check that out. The day after that is the next stand-up tragedy which is happening at the Hackney Attic on Saturday, the 25th of April. Doors open at 7.30. The first part of the show starts at 8 o'clock. The night is devoted to Tragic Spring, and it's a tragedy in three acts. So in Act 1, Tragic Beginnings. Then Act 2, guest curated by the amazing Matilda Gregory, and who will be looking at tragic bodies. Then the final act is Tragic Sex, which will feature Cameron Moore and Miranda Kane. Cry until you laugh, laugh until you cry with a night of tragic variety. 
be prepared to think about and deal with sad stuff but also be prepared to laugh and to think and don't worry we end the night with a sing-along so we get a bit of catharsis and ridiculousness at the end to shake off any sad feelings that we might have and also one thing that we didn't mention much in this episode is Sajila hosts a comedy club called Comedy Cottage in Red Hill and the next one of those is on the 15th of April at Rygate X Service and Social Club a fundraiser for the Rygate and Banstead Green Party you can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast you can like it on Facebook subscribe to it pretty much anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.